Howdy, and welcome back to season two episode. I think this is seven of the Texas Private School podcast. Um, as always, I am one third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson. My two fabulous co-hosts are with me. Uh, Walker Lott joins me from College Station. Uh, Walker, what's going on? How's the week been? What did you think of the last interesting week of Texas high school football? I mean, it was really good. You know, it was a lot of big time games. You know, you had the great Fort Worth Christian versus Dallas Christian rivalry, which was a lot closer than probably a lot of people expected. And yeah, it was just a good week of games. Excited for the next week and just moving in. Without a doubt. And as always, Ryan Schroeder joins me from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Ryan, same questions I asked Walker. And also your pick lead is is growing smaller by the by the week. So let's uh, let, let's hear some commentary on your week and also that. Uh, you know, maybe 10 and three, you know, is still not as good. No, I'm, I'm playing. No, 10 and three is still great. I'm still doing well. 65 and 18. I still think I'm the number one private school picker out of anybody right now. You are. Um, because I think even Texas private school football guy, I still have a better record than him and his guests. So I'm number <laughs> one, baby. Let that be known. Um, but yeah, no, definitely need to get in that forward DC game. Uh, that, that, I mean, we had such a fun time talking about that last episode. I, I can't wait to dive in. No, for sure. There's a lot of things to hit on from that specifically and a lot of other games. We'll get into that later, but we will jump straight into our last week's picks. Uh, Ryan went 10 and three. He is 65 and 18 overall, still holds the lead. I went 11 and two best of the week last week, and I'm 62 and 21 setting at second on the leaderboard, inching closer and closer to the lead. Walker is also trying to get back into the race. 10 and three last week. Good week for him. 59 and 24. Walker, really quickly, your thoughts on you climbing back into the pick record. Um, what am I, six games out? I mean, that's possible, man. It's possible, you know. I just need I just need y'all to not, like, just, just cold, totally go off the rails. Maybe go bold once in a while, guys. <laughs> Maybe switch things up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Hey, man, listen, I pick who I think is going to win. But, Ryan, really quickly, you, for as you have for the last, like, five or six weeks, set atop the pick record, you, your, your statement on this this run of dominance you've had so far this year. You know, honestly, here, let me get the mic set up real quickly. Um, I just want to say to everyone out there that doubted me, um, you know, I may not know enough about football compared to these guys, but it does not mean that I don't know how to pick which mascot looks cooler. No, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. Play. no honestly y'all I, I and that's what i keep saying every single week if you haven't heard me make this rant you're going to hear me make it now because i'll make it for the 16th time it just proves that we know a thing or two and i think that's important to think about because we're not just going on a podcast every single week trying to tell y'all stuff about things that we had no idea about we all went to um private schools ourselves. if you don't know this already um west went to grace walker went to southwest christian and i went to legacy christian so you know we we have a private school background and this is just an, another way of us representing the the players who don't get enough representation so if you i know everybody's probably heard that spiel if you've been around here for a while but i like bringing it up every now and then for new people no very elegantly stated i couldn't have said it better myself i always like reinforcing that we understand what we're talking about. We have this, these quantitative data points to back that up. But, you know, it's always it's always fun. But now we jump straight into our players of the week from last week. Always great to see these crazy stat lines. Starting off with the Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week, we see Joe Moreland from Austin St. Michael's in a win over Corpus Christi John Paul II. He went for, and as a receiver, this makes me so happy to read this, six receptions, 296 yards receiving, and just four touchdowns to go along with that. I mean, that's just absolutely insane. And I just, I like I mentioned, as a receiver, this is so great for me to see because I don't know how many six receptions, 296-yard stat lines you're going to see, and just four touchdowns on top of that. So, Walker, I'll go to you first. I mean, very simple, elegant stat line, but it speaks for itself. Your thoughts on Joe Moreland's 296-yard, four-touchdown performance against Corpus Christi John Paul? Yeah, I really – this kid is like someone who's really under the radar. You know, he's 6'3", 200 pounds as a receiver, plays wide receiver, of course, and DB as well. And he's just like kind of the guy, you know, hey, throw it up there, I'll get it type of guy. And, I mean, that's having Carson Kruver out there, and I know they have another quarterback as well. Uh, those two guys, they, they got two quarterbacks over there that are going to be really good players for them in the future. One's a 22, one's a 23 – and those guys just I they love a guy like that who can they can just, you know, has he's so reliable on the outside. No, without a doubt. 
Ryan, your thoughts on Joe Moreland's incredible performance last week? Yeah, I just want to break this down a little bit for y'all. Do y'all realize that there was four of those catches had to have been touchdowns? So that means there was only two catches he didn't score a touchdown in that game, which is insane. Also, the math comes out to that's about 50 yards per catch that he had. Are you kidding me? 50 yards a catch? Who in the world has ever done that? Averaging 50 yards a catch. That's insane. But, I mean, I just think that's really impressive, especially since, you know, I mean, we do like to look at the skill players sometimes, and we like to think, you know, I mean, I, I know Wes is all about the skill players and stuff like that, but, you know, I, I mean, it's true, though. Any guy that can only that can only catch six balls, but then on top of that, apparently ends up getting 300 yards, like, that's insane. He's like someone that I, I remember when I went down and talked to the, the coaches and the guys down there, the coaches are really high on this kid. And I wasn't able to talk to him, but he, I remember one of the coaches was like, Hey, watch this kid. He's going to be really, really good this year. And I mean, he's showing off this year. So he's someone that down there, they're really high on. And, you know, I think coaches, college coaches are going to get a steal on this kid, no matter what. No, obviously, if there isn't collegiate attention already on him, it definitely should be coming soon. But mm-hmm. shout out Joe Moreland, crazy stat line, Texas Private School Podcast, Offensive Player of the Week. And now we look at the Texas Private School Podcast, Defensive Player of the Week, goes to Black Hyde from Weatherford Christian, class of 22 athlete. This man had 17 tackles. Think about that for a second, 17 Three sacks and four tackles for loss and a win against Covenant Christian that we already mentioned was just a gigantic win for the Lions. But Walker, I'll turn to you first. I mean, this is just an absolutely insane performance by the class of 22 athlete Black High. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, that is that's insane. Uh, point blank period. Uh, as a as a defensive player, that's what you, what you want. A guy who can go from sideline to sideline, can make plays all over the field can make plays, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, after the line of scrimmage, can do whatever he needed. That's a guy that, you know, coaches will love to have on the defensive side of the ball, and he showed out this last week. No, without a doubt. Ryan, Black Hyde, 17 tackles, three sacks, four TFLs. Your thoughts? Three sacks is insane. I think three sacks is actually something that, you know, you just think about, you're like, oh, my goodness, like he really got back there. He really was doing all that. But on top of that, he was making plays all around all around the field. Like you said, sideline to sideline. It really shows that, like, there was not one part of the field that he wasn't covering. So um, big, big shout out to him. No, without a doubt. Shout out Black Hyde as our Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week. And shout out to both these guys. Just really balled out in their last games and thoroughly deserve these awards. But now we will transition into talking about the last week's matchups from these games. I'm going to start with a game that I covered personally, which was Oak Ridge at the John Cooper School. Before I say anything, I want to give a big shout out to the John Cooper team and administration. I mean, y'all have always been incredibly kind and respectful to us. And it's just it was incredibly enjoyable to go down and watch a game on the sidelines, be able to just talk to the athletic director about the game going on. And it's it's it makes our job a lot easier when you have that personal relationship with these schools. So John Cooper, thank you. It meant a lot to be able to go and cover your program. But as for the game itself, it was a 40 to 21 win in favor of the John Cooper school folks. They are legit. And I will say two words here, Vaughn McKeever. I'm going to ask Walker to throw his highlights on screen from this last game, because this kid drew all of the spotlight tonight, five total touchdowns, four coming on the ground, and just a masterful command of this warp speed John Cooper air raid. The kid has a long frame it's six foot three inches and a ton of room to grow. He's just got a ridiculous amount of potential. I cannot emphasize that enough. I'll actually allow his head coach to tell you more about him in a post-game interview he granted me. We'll plug that in here. This is Wes Tallson here with Coach DeHaven, head coach of the John Cooper School after a 40-21 to 21 win against Oak Ridge High. Coach, uh, this one seemed to be a statement win for y'all. Y'all have won four in a row, and y'all are 3-0 and in district now. What do you think this says about your group of guys' ability to compete and the game plan you and the coaching staff have implemented thus far? You know, our guys, we've known if we can start eliminating our uh, self-inflicting wounds that we'd, uh, we'd do pretty well. Um, and our guys have done that. They've bought into what we're trying to do. I mean, we obviously have a lot to clean up, especially in the second half there. But uh, I was really proud of our guys' effort tonight. 
Of course. Someone I wanted to bring up that I don't think a lot of people have heard about yet is class of 23 quarterback Vaughn McKeever. The kid just demanded y'all or the defensive attention all night. I mean, what do you have to say about him and just how well he's seemed to develop as the season's gone on? You know, every week, every week he's getting better as far as gar- game management to, uh, you know, you see the arm angles that he throws the ball at. It's, it's pretty tremendous. He's a very special talent. I think he's going to be on a lot of people's radars pretty quick. With that out, thank you, Coach. That was Coach DeHaven with the John Cooper School. But thank you to Coach DeHaven. I mean, as he mentioned, the kid is incredibly talented, and they've got a lot of stuff going right for them down at the John Cooper School. <coughs> 22 running back Jackson Pierce was also a man amongst boys tonight. He was incredibly difficult to tackle the whole game. Class 22 defensive end and apparently tight end Gamble Reed ended up catching a touchdown on a beautiful throwback executed by himself and McKeever. Me and Walker went down and interviewed them this summer, and we interviewed him just thinking he was just a straight defensive end, but he showed off he showed off uh, some skill position skills in this last game. It was really, really impressive. I also can't go without mentioning class of 22, Blake Pitts, who recovered not one, but two consecutive onside kicks and absolutely helicoptered one kid into another dimension. Go check out that clip if you haven't yet. It is awesome. But like I mentioned, this John Cooper team is for real, folks. I know they're kind of hidden down there in the woodlands, but everyone needs to keep an eye on the Dragons. Really quickly, as for Oak Ridge, class of 22, Jamal Jordan is a fantastic athlete going for a 70-yard kick return that he almost broke loose and could have turned the tide for the Owls but didn't quite get there. The kid runs a 4.37 hand-time 40 and a 4.18 shuttle, so those numbers just pop off the screen immediately, and he should be looking at more offers in the near future. But I just spoke a ton, so Walker, I'll turn to you. Oak Ridge at John Cooper, commanding win for John Cooper against a team that apparently was supposed to be their toughest competition in district play. So what are your thoughts on that situation as a whole? I mean, I got to watch kind of the second half of it online, and it was just like real, like like you said, John Cooper probably in like t- SPC 3A, looking at the other opponents, they might be the team that wins it all this year, being real. I think they have an opportunity and sh- a shot to actually win it all um and they're just a really good team i remember you text me like this like the von mckeever kid like i remember you're like hey look at this kid watch this kid play and i was like this kid is actually legit and i think he's a really really underrated guy especially in that 23 class which is actually pretty good um and yeah th- like when we went down to interview i remember me and wes like walking away being like all right they got a good coaching staff they got some good kids let's see if they can put it together and i i mean from how it looks it looks like they did um yeah I also really like Jamal Jordan like you mentioned really good team I don't you know you said that they might be you know kind of hidden in those tall trees over there the woodlands I don't think they're going to be hidden for much longer no definitely not and it's I'll mention really quickly when I saw both teams line up for warm-ups I was like Oak Ridge might wax John Cooper because they looked a lot more athletic but it was John Cooper's scheme that just absolutely beat Oak Ridge down into the dirt and you know like that's that's a testament to coach DeHaven and that whole coaching staff but, Ryan, uh, John Cooper gets a big win over Oak Ridge. Your thoughts on this game? No, I think that, you know, John Cooper has really proven themselves to be, in a, you know, a great team. Uh, I love that, you know, they showed you great compassion while they're there. I mean, that's one of the best things that we love to see from any of these programs. I mean, you have what? You have people all lining up at your door now, St. Pius, John Cooper. I mean, they all love you at this point. Um, so, no, I, I think that's uh, it really shows that uh, um, that they got guys there. I, I love that the defensive end also plays tight end. That's, that, that's, that's kind of funny to me. Um, but, no, uh, I, I'm really excited to see how this John Cooper team does. And and I don't really know what's happening to Oak Ridge at this point. I, I really thought that they were kind of a top dog um, and all that kind of stuff. I, I do have a little, little hatred against Oak Ridge back in the day when I played soccer, but we won't get into that. Um, but anyways, no, honestly, I, I'm excited for John Cooper. I think they played, they've played. they shown me so far that they are a serious team. No, without a doubt. That was a heck of a win for them. And keep an eye on the John Cooper school moving further into district play. And now we get to look at a game that I thought was the game of the week last week. Houston St. Thomas at San Antonio Central Catholic. And this game was just an instant classic. It was 35 to 31 in favor of Central Catholic. First of all, I think the biggest dopamine rush I get on the planet is when two teams both upload 
their stats in a max prep for the same game. It makes my job so much easier. And just thank you, Houston St. Thomas and San Antonio Central Catholic for being able to do that. But as for the game, you know, Army commit Silas Gomez did Silas Gomez things going a very, very efficient 10 for 11 through the air for 125 yards and two touchdowns and also 19 carries for almost 100 yards and two more touchdowns on the ground. But my Lord, the story, at least from a stat standpoint, was class of 22 St. Thomas quarterback Jake Wright going 33 for 47 for 385 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. I mean, my Lord, that's NCAA 14 stuff right there. <laughs> I mean, Cam Price yet again goes for over 100 yards receiving as the, lever, as the leader of this receiving core. And Wright also found Joe Rick Madden for three of those four touchdown passes and the other one going to Schaefer Henderson. But, you know, despite St. Thomas's flashy offensive numbers, the discipline buttons pulled this one out with a defensive stand on the final drive. And Walker, I'll transition to you talking about this, this concept of discipline. We went down to Central Catholic this summer, and I think you'd agree, especially like looking at their head coach and the way him and his players interacted, discipline seems to be the key word down there. So just talk about really quickly before we talk about the game, what do you think that discipline translated to like last uh, Friday and on the field as a whole? I just like you, you see when you're there, right? You're just like the program itself. They're, they're on time. They're regimented. You know, we had a certain amount of time so we could get these kids and they were welcoming. They loved us. And, you know, they were really appreciative that we came down there and they were good people. And they, it was a great interview that hopefully we can play down the line, but um, you could tell, all right, they're done. Like after the interview, all right, we're going into it. We got practice. We got this. And you could just see how like this program is well put together and the bond each between each other, I think was something that I know I at least saw that was really, really like, you could tell they like they, the true bond of a team, you know? And I think that's what sets apart this team. And now looking at this game, you know, I, I, I you know, we all said central Catholic and I think we had, we kind of forgot how good one this St. Thomas team is like this, this, that was these two teams are the best teams in the South probably this year. And I believe for, since they both were in the same district, this is the first time Central Catholic has ever beaten St. Thomas in district play. And that I think that just says how good this team is and how good, I mean, Silas Gomez, that is, he, he's a dog, like straight up. Like the last second touchdown was a Silence Gomez touchdown run. He jumped over the in that jumped over everyone, got the score. Um, man, he's just like you having that guy out there. You don't know. Like he is a, I guess like I don't I don't want to say like maybe like a Lamar Lamar Jackson kind of type player, just tall, lanky wide like quarterback who can make plays on the ground or in the air. And you really don't know what to expect with him. And I think that's a good maybe comparison of how he is. And I think he just that will to play like just in determination to win that game. I think there was no doubt in my mind. I was like, this team's got it. And I, you know, uh, I just saw something. I just wanted to say uh, that game was the 50th uh, high school reunion for the 19th. The class of 1970 was their 50th high school reunion. That was when they, uh, their alumni that won Central Catholic's first ever state title. And, I mean, they were there for that game last last Friday night, watching them beat St. Thomas for the first win in district play over them. I mean, that, that, it might be something. 50 years later, this might be the year that they win it all again. You never know. Uh, you never know. I'm just, I just saw that. I thought that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I really liked the running back too. Jonah Dunlap was really good. Um, I really liked on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Caleb Harrison, the junior, the, t the number 10, he was just over everywhere for that defensive side. Uh, and I was really, really impressed with him. Um, and I just like, also, you know, we talked about Garrett Davidsmeyer last week and saying like how he was so important he was supposed to be for this game. I guess we didn't do enough research because he went out with an ACL this past week. So he wasn't even in the game. So they lost their star running back for this game and they still won. And so I think it just shows the depth of this team, the determination of this team. I think this might be the year for central Catholic, not maybe winning at all, but they're going to make some, a lot of noise and they're going to be really good in the playoffs this year. So um, 
credit to St. St. Thomas, that pass led offense is just really, really good. And, you know, both teams like these North teams, you know, always will always, you know, think they're the top dogs, but Hey, St. Thomas and central Catholic, they got some dudes and they can make some noise in the playoffs in the future. No, without a doubt. I, this, I would be willing to say this is not the last time we're going to see these two teams play each other, but Ryan 35 to 31 win for central Catholic, your thoughts. Uh, close game. I mean, y'all really went through it. So I, there's nothing a lot more I can say, but I just keep your eye on Silas Gomez. I, I think that, I think that you might see a lot more coming out of him. I, I love how, uh, you know, how aggressive he is to not only be able to throw the ball in the air, but also to, you know, make work, work with his legs as well. Um, proves a lot about who he is as a player. So yeah, very impressive um, by both teams, but um, just like overall, I think, I think it's a really good, uh, good as a week six, whatever good week six game. I, I think it was a really fun week six game. No, without a doubt, two tremendous quarterbacks for those teams and Silas Gomez and Jake Wright both should be receiving more collegiate attention as the week go on. But now we turn to a game that scared the ever-living fill-in-the-blank out of me. This was Fort Worth Christian at Dallas Christian. And as you may or may not remember, I had a, a rant probably for the ages last week on why Dallas Christian would win this game by, I think I said, roughly 175 points. Uh, we'll just cut the BS. Uh, DC did not win by 175 points. They won by 10. They won this game 35 to 25. And I, there's not a lot more I can say outside than it scared the ever living dog out of me. Walker, I'll let you detail this individual game a little bit more because you watched a good chunk of it. I mean, what did you see that allowed Fort Worth to play DC this closely? And this is, is this more indicative on Dallas Christian not being where they should be or Fort Worth being better than we gave them the credit for? I mean, I think, I don't know, like, you know, we'll talk about it later in our rankings, but, you know, we all thought Dallas Christian was this kind of just higher up figure with beating some of these D1 teams. But I think like something's going on to where they're not as good as we thought they were, or they're in this like kind of slump that like they need to kind of figure it out. But, you know, Fort Worth Christian, you know, they wanted, they came to play, first of all, you know, the rivalry is the biggest rivalry probably in private school and they came to play it. And, you know, Trevor Andrews, you know, we always talked about, Oh, they kind of give away the ball a lot. And, you know, he didn't do that today. Two touchdowns, 20 of 33, really good completion percentage. And they just like, he found his guys. Like there's not really like a magic way to like, Oh, they kept it close. He just found his guys and he let him play, you know, Jacob Trimble, 11 receptions, 81 yards. He got his. And if you get the guy, the ball in his hands, he'll probably make something happen. And they put the ball in the hands of their athletes and they let him play. And they just, they, they kept it close, but you know, overall, of course, Dallas Christian was the better team. No, we'll see moving forward. If this is like a game that kind of shifts DC from being this, this almost unbeatable figure to a more human-like team. What stands out to me here personally from a stat standpoint is Max Makeda going off for 110 yards on only three receptions. This is a kid I told you all about before the season started. He's a transfer from Sunnyvale. His brother played quarterback at Sunnyvale. I think he is going to play a massive role on this TC team going forward. So just keep the name Max Makeda in the back of your head. I think he's going to be really good for them. Ryan, your thoughts on this game that almost cost me all of my credibility I've built so far? Uh, you know, I think it just proves that any given team can be any other given team on any given day. I, I think that's been said multiple times and stuff like that, but it really is true. And the fact that rivalry games are different is so true as well. I, I had a fun time on Twitter uh, for sure. I thought the flowers were hilarious. Um, I was like, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, no, seriously, it, it was a really cool thing to see. And it's a good part of, of uh, what's it called? It's a good part of football being able to have those kind of rivalries and stuff like that. Cause you know, I, I, I wish more rivalries were as deep as that, but I feel like we've kind of gotten away from that a little bit, but I think that Fort Worth DC rivalry is still there between the students as well as the, like the coaches and the, and the faculty, like it really is a big rivalry, probably something you really don't see in a lot of other private school football um, rivalries. No, without a doubt. I'd also like to say, 
there is no chance anyone from Fort Worth sent those flowers to DC. A DC coach or family member 100% had to have sent those flowers to themselves just to just to make up some enemy to get DC more motivated. There is no chance. There is no chance someone from Fort Worth was dumb enough to do that to rile them up. That's just that's my opinion. I really don't think that happened. But, you know, we'll see. It's football. Crazy things happen. You never know. You do never know. Moving on, Pantigo Christian at Dallas First Baptist, a game that I thought would be a little closer than it was, and it just simply was not. 43-0 win for Pantigo here, who just absolutely dominated this game on the ground, scoring five of their six touchdowns via the rush. Class of 22, Chris Price had two touchdowns. Dylan Spain, the senior, had two as well, as well as 165 yards rushing. And senior quarterback Caden Palladini had one, as well as throwing a touchdown to senior Court McDonald. The Panthers also picked off the Saints three times with senior Aiden Newhouse grabbing two of them and Court McDonald just grabbing another one for good measure. So, Walker, Pantigo wins this game in an absolute blowout. I mean, just talk about what you thought of this game specifically, as well as Pantigo being able to cause havoc in that division because they just seem to be steamrolling everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think Pantigo, you know, I think was it last year uh, in playoffs? So everyone was like, all right, Pantigo, they, oh, they're yeah. legit. And we were like, oh, yeah, this is it. And they lost like crazily in the like, I think first or second round. And I think they're kind of back in like they, you know, they lose some guys, you know, some seniors graduated. But I mean, overall, the team is actually pretty good. And, you know, they have their quarterback from last year coming back, you know, a lot of those guys have been in the system for a bit and they, you know, they're just kind of, they're just a good team. And, you know, and it wasn't really a fair matchup between the two teams, really, you know, D three and D four teams just playing against each other. But um, yeah, I think this shows how good Pantigo really is and credit to doubt like first Baptist, like this shouldn't be anything to like discourage them or anything. They should, you know, just wipe it off, like wipe it, wipe it away and move on to next week. No, without a doubt, not definitely not indicative of First Baptist's talent level at all. It's just a lot bigger school they played. Uh, Ryan, I mean, I don't know how much there is to dissect from this, but give us your best shot. I just, I mean, I think it just proves this point that Pantigo is a dog and stuff like that, right? I mean, this, is, is that really any, any more dog. than what I need to say? Yeah, no. they're a dog. Dog. I mean, there's really nothing more else to say than that. Well, no, so. without a doubt. I mean, really good team. D3 has got a lot of interesting teams that we'll get into into our power rankings that I'll tease now. But I mean, there's a lot that can go on there that I'll mention later. But before that, we have two more games. The first being Frisco Legacy, Ryan's alma mater versus Trinity Christian Addison. Ryan, since this game's so close to home for you, I'm going to let you give us a little bit of a rundown on what happened here and a 53 to 17 win for TCA. Uh. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I, I knew that I knew they were going to lose. I mean, I'm sorry, but I just knew they're going to lose. CCA is insanely good. Like, it, they're insanely good this year. I don't know how to prove that to anybody more than, than, than what I can say right now, but they are really, 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 really good. And I think it, people need to understand that, you know, they deserve to come. I mean, I don't know the whole story right now, but they deserve to make their way back into taps. I mean, I don't know how it works right now. Aren't they, like, out of it for like somehow? Yeah, but they'll be back. Yeah, they right. So they'll be, they'll be back next year. And from what I heard from a source, it will everything's going to switch a big time uh, next year. It's going to be very, very interesting. But continue. Yeah, no, I I think TCA would fit really well in D one right now. I think they could be a top dog in D one, and that's just me thinking. I mean, because they 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 still scheduled a bunch of taps teams. They're not staying away from it. They still had their uh, their what's called their star game with us, like they scheduled with us and. I mean, I don't know. It, it, I, I felt it was kind of funny uh, when my school put up on their Instagram saying, oh, we scored. And then I checked the final score of the game and it's 53 to 17. And I go, yeah, I'm glad we scored in the fourth quarter when they put in the bench. Like I was like really happy about that. But I mean, hey, at least your school's uh, athletic account is active on Instagram. We only get posts before yeah. the game. I like to give a shout out to Charles Roll, who comments on a lot of our stuff. He's really active. He oh, let us know that yes. TCA's new head coach is their old head coach, Stephen Hayes, who left after the 2014 season and compiled an 88 and 49 record in 11 years at TCA and really, really built that program to what it is. So if you're wondering if there is a single factor in a vacuum 
that allows this program to come back to what it was. It's probably that head coach coming back. So shout out, shout out Charles Roll. I really appreciate your engagement with our stuff. Thanks yeah. for that information. Oh, yeah. Every post, every post, man. I love it. You know, I, I mean, said, I like, I got, you know, I said last week, I was like, Hey, that head coach is actually really good. You know, he's done a lot, but I got like, yeah, like you said, you know, learning actually really more about the history of TCA and learning, Hey, he came back and now he's doing this again. Like it makes a lot more sense. No, it really does. But that's all we have for Ryan's alma mater playing TCA. And for our last game of the week that we covered from last week, we have Weatherford at Covenant Christian and a game that I slotted here simply because I thought Weatherford was a great story. But good Lord, are they more than that? 43-42 Lions win in overtime in an astronomical upset against the Covenant Christian Panthers. I should have gone with my gut and picked the Lions to win. I knew I should have. But holy cow, this was a game that Weatherford absolutely dominated on the ground. Senior Ezra Jackson goes for 264 yards and three touchdowns rushing. Zane O'Donnell. Uh, Blake Heald and quarterback Hunter McCoy com, uh, combined with Jackson to make a team total of 541 rushing yards. There you Lord go. have mercy. There you go. I mean, for Covenant, Junior Christian Wells, who we've mentioned a lot here, has he's had to slide in at quarterback for Covenant, but it's not like that slowed their offense down a whole lot. I mean, Wells throws for 260 or 206 yards and three touchdowns. Not bad for a receiver by trade. He actually accounts for five of the six Cougar touchdowns in this game by adding two more on the ground, where senior Brooks Lamar added 135 yards on nine carries. Junior wide receiver Caleb Turner had an absolute career game going for 200 yards and catching all three touchdowns for Covenant. I'd also be doing an injustice if I didn't mention uh, junior four-star defensive end standout Eno Etta. Who had, 13, who had 17 tackles, 14 of them solo, five tackles for loss, three of which were sacks. I mean, the kid just is continually showing why he's highly rated as he is. But, I mean, just an absolute stunner here for Weatherford. Walker, I mean, what do you think about just this game as a whole and the ramifications this has for Weatherford going forward in D4? I mean, I think Weatherford, you know, you have basically what? You have – uh, Sean St. Paul, who will always be there, and then Brian Brazos Christian, who's going to make a lot of noise. And I mean, what the, uh, maybe this team from the north coming to play in the state championship instead of Bishop Waco Riker? I mean, that's they have a shot to make the state title. And I think beating a team like Covenant this game shows how good this team really is. And don't get me wrong, like Covenant has a lot to fix. You know, they've hurt, they've got injuries, like they said. You know, Christian Wells had to play quarterback, but. They lost Rhett Retriaria, the quarterback, for the past couple of weeks. And, I mean, he tore his ACL, like I'm reading the, the tweet from Phil Toe, tore his ACL two weeks ago and played on it last week, still throwing for 300 yards. So, I mean, that's just – I don't know how you do that, first of all. That's shocking. Oh. Uh, but, like, you know, shout out to him for doing that. That's very, very impressive. But losing a quarterback always hurts. You, you see what the Aggies have done with uh, not having Haynes King anymore. Uh, that hurts. But um, – and speaking of the Aggies, Inoeta uh, was in College Station this last weekend, so that was really cool to see. Uh, sadly, he saw the loss of Mississippi State. Moving on, we're not going to talk about that anymore. I think oh. this. Oh, you're not undefeated? No, leave it alone. Oh. Leave oh. it alone. Oh. It's not the I time don't want to talk about it. It's oh, not the okay. time. It's not the time. Go Pokes! Hey, I like the Pokes. Anyways, uh, speaking of this for this Covenant team. They got they they just have some like I don't I, like I wouldn't you have to say they dropped off right from last year like I mean you have to right like you, it's it's a little rough you lose some seniors and you have to see what the mindset is going forward you know you're finally going to really start district play this week and I believe this week or next week and how what's that mindset for this team going into this uh, district. Because, you know, they started rough last year and then, you know, they went into playoffs and they won it all. But is that going to be the same thing for this year? They just start they start strong later in this year. We'll see. Well, Ryan, actually, what do you think about that? Do you think that Covenant Christian is it's like last year? It's a slow start and a strong finish. Do you think that they are in trouble here? 
You know what? I, I think Covenant Christians put a lot on them in the beginning of the year. I, I think they're not taking the easy route. They showed that they didn't want to just play a bunch of nobodies. They wanted to play the top dogs and stuff like that, which I, I, I respect. I respect them wanting to go up and play harder teams in their non-district games. Um, when it comes to this Weatherford game, I realized that, yeah, this one just came down to the end, but I want to give a big shout out to Christian Wells, man. I mean, Christian Wells is just one of the best players in taps that we've seen, um, you know, time in and time out. Um, I, him and Enal Etta, I feel like just run this team together. You know what I'm saying? Like they run this team and they're juniors, by the way, let's keep that in mind. Both of them are juniors and they run this team. Right. So, you know, I, I, they are the leaders of this team. They are the ones that contribute the most to this team by any means. I, I big shout out to, yeah, the 200 yard, uh, three touchdown guy, but not, none of that gets done without Christian Wells. And that defense doesn't make, doesn't like keep, doesn't keep Weatherford, um, in the game without, uh, or yeah, Weatherford would would have gone off a lot more without Ina Etta. Let's let's make that very clear. So um, just want to say big shout out to the Covenant boys. I think they'll do just fine the rest of the year. I think they put a lot on them on their chest in the beginning, and now they finally get to take it off their authors' um, shoulders and chest as well. Now, yeah, and shout oh. out Ina wearing sixty seven. What a number! I mean, for a high profile defensive lineman, you you would think they wear single digits, but. I mean, 67, that's an elite number to wear as a defensive lineman. So I just wanted to say that. You got to respect it. But, I mean, hats off. You can't forget who won this game. Hats off to Weatherford. The Lions pull off an absolute stunner in overtime here. And now we transition to something we get to do for the first time this week that I'm actually really excited about. We have the official inaugural Texas Private School Podcast Power Rankings. We have our top 10 for Division One, Division Two, Divisions Three and Four, and the SPC. So this is something we put a good bit of time into trying to think about. I mean, granted, it's still, we're what, about five, six weeks into the season. So there's enough of a sample size that we can start to say these things with some degree of certainty. But granted, crazy things can happen. This whole thing can get shaken up. So at this point in time, this is where we think these teams are. Starting with Division One. At number one, we have Prestonwood Christian, followed by Parish Episcopal at number two. Number three, we see Nolan Catholic. Number four is Central Catholic. Number five, Houston St. Thomas. Number six, Fort Worth All Saints. Number seven, Midland Christian. Number eight, Antonian Prep. Nine, St. Pius. And number 10, Bishop Lynch. So really quickly, Walker, just just give us some just really quick bullet points on the Division One list and the the thought process behind making it. You know, we 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 really thought about this like for a good time, like good while trying to figure out where we want everyone. Um, I I really like the list. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see like who falls and who rises. You know, we have a number one and number two matchup this week, and that's going to really show is. We really like Prestonwood as a group, and I think they're like really, really good. Uh, but it's gonna like it's finally gonna show. Hey, is this team actually legit this week, or is this something that you know kind of just having preseason wins? So we'll see how it goes this week. I really like Central Catholic. I could see them moving up, but we just you know we they've only played St. Thomas at the moment that we know of. So I want to see a more district like district play before we move them up more. Um, but I think overall, I think it's actually a pretty good list. I don't think there's anyone that, you know, could be higher, could be lower. I think everyone's ranked like in a good way. So I did, you know, we just more district games. It's exciting to see more wins and see who wins. Of course. Ryan, your quick thoughts on D1. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Prestonwood. I keep saying I'm a big fan of Prestonwood, and I, I, I you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I love a one-two matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun this week, and uh, and don't hate us for having Nolan Catholic a three. To be honest with you, uh, we don't, we don't. We're we're just going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out with you know maybe this upcoming game, and you know you might see some people fall, but you know we have to we have to consider that although we can try to make rankings off of what, what we can right now, we still have a lot more time the season to go and our rankings will obviously, you know, follow that. But this is what I think um, is a general consensus from the three of us. No, without a doubt, I'd say keep an eye on central Catholic at four. I think the buttons have a massive opportunity to make waves in division one, especially being in the Southern region, but transitioning to our top 10 for division two at number one, we see, with no surprise, Austin Regents. Number two, and I'd say almost maybe a 1B, is Houston Second Baptist, followed by Dallas Christian, who would probably be ranked the lowest. They've been ranked at number three, and I don't know how long. 
But number four, there is the undefeated Grapevine Faith Lions. Number five, the Southwest Christian Eagles, Walker's alma mater. Number six, the Woodlands Christian Academy. Number seven, Lutheran South. Number eight, Fort Bend Christian Academy. Number nine, St. Michael's. And number 10, that school down the road in Bullard, Brook Hill. So, Walker, I'll go to you again. Just brief bullet points from the D2 list with Austin Regents and Second Baptist at the top. You know, you know, everyone probably is now shocked that we didn't put Dallas Christian number one. And honestly, we kind of are too. I mean, this past couple of weeks for Dallas Christian have been kind of a shocker. You know, we talked about it earlier, so I won't talk about it too much. But that's kind of why we have a number three. I th- We still think, you know, Kincaid's probably the best team in Houston by far. But I think Second Baptist is right up there. Uh, I think they're probably number two. And I think that's my, this might be the year that Second Baptist can make some noise and kind of maybe beat Regents. But I think Regents, uh, we still think Regents is still number one. They've shown it. They've, you know, they haven't lost. Um, and that matchup that we'll talk about more later, but that four or five matchup of Faith versus Southwest Christian this week kind of shows, all right, hey, they both, like, Southwest Christian has played better teams. Are they still really good in Division Two? Uh, and the rest of the teams, I think we have them pretty good place. So, no, without a doubt, Ryan. You know, obviously, we all graduated from D two schools. So, your your thoughts on this list and not having Legacy Christian ranked in it? You know, I don't know why Legacy Christian is not ranked here. I don't know why Grace isn't ranked in here, and I honestly don't know why Southwest Christian is in the top ten. I mean, I don't know how that works out, but. Uh, no, honestly, I'm really excited about the Grapevine Faith Southwest Christian matchup. I really do think that Grapevine Faith is a team that I'm looking to. Um, I think the only thing, the reason why we haven't put Grapevine Christian just a little bit higher, and I think we'll go into that when we talk about the game, it's just I need to see a team that they play first um, that would be, you know, that would be of that status. But no, without a doubt. Keep an eye on Division Two. I think there's a lot of room for shakeup there. Moving into Division Three to slash Division Four. Number one is Grace Prep, and a move I don't think a lot of people saw before the season. Number two, Lubbock Christian. Number three, Cypress Christian. Number four, the undefeated Pantigo Christian. Number five, Trinity Christian Lubbock. Number six, Shiner St. Paul. Number seven, Bay Area Christian. Number eight, our hometown Brian Brazos Christian. Number nine, the team that stole my heart, Weatherford Christian. And number 10, Covenant Christian. So, Walker, yet again, quick bullet points from D3 slash D4. Uh, I, I kind of, it's shocking that Covenant's number 10, but like before the season, if we said that, like, I would have been like, you're like, no way. But I think that's honestly where they need to go. I really like Grace Prep. All those, those top three, like top four teams, honestly, five, it's going to be a hard, like five for that division three matchup. Uh, but Chandra St. Paul and Brian Braz is kind of being the first two, uh, D four teams in there. I could see Shiner going up a little bit more even, uh, but, you know, I think it's a good a good top 10 for us. No, for sure. Ryan, D3, D4. Yeah, honestly, I, I really think that, you know, uh, Grace Prep and Lubbock Christian are definitely like my top two, 100%. Like those two teams, I really kind of have them in that spot. And don't get me wrong, I understand there's going to be some Pantica people out there that are like, we're 6-0, like, you know, we deserve it kind of thing. Don't get me wrong. I see y'all. I see 6-0. I really do. I just think we have to see um, how y'all transition in district, and then we'll definitely bump y'all up. But having – with three teams in D3, D4, or whatever, uh, all three of those teams I think are D3, but having three of those teams on D3 all being undefeated, super impressive, and I think it makes for a lot of – uh, a lot of fun to come in D3. No, for sure. Keep an eye on the smaller schools as we get deeper into district play. And rounding out our power rankings, we have our top 10 SBC teams. Number one, no surprise here, Kincaid. Or maybe there's a little surprise because the undefeated Episcopal School of Dallas we have right behind them at number two. Number three is Houston St. John's, a team that absolutely memed us to death after we picked against them. Number four, Dallas St. Mark's. Number five, the always nice John Cooper School. Number six is Bel Air Episcopal. Number seven is Cistercian out of Irving. Number eight is Houston Christian. Number nine, Fort Worth Trinity Valley. Number 10, Arlington Oak Ridge. So, Walker, we're throwing the SPC schools in the mix, giving them a try. Your thoughts on our top 10? Yeah, I think the one and two is kind of just – above everyone else but i think the top five even is then above everyone else i think uh 
Belair just needs to kind of fix their offense, but their defense is really good. But everyone else, I mean, eh. But uh, I really like the top five teams. They're good teams. I, I think John Cooper is probably the best team in uh, 3A SBC. And then you have four other uh, better teams in the upper level of SBC in those four. And I think they're just, you know, uh, I think Kincaid wins it all this year, but I think those are four good teams. No, without a doubt. Ryan, your quick thoughts on SBC. Uh, honestly, same thing as the, basically the last three ones. I think the top two teams are really just like the top two teams. And I hate to say that because obviously I don't want to like make that category in every single one of them. But let's be honest here. Prestonwood, Parrish, or I think are two of the top two, like the top two teams. And then they're solidified. Austin Regents, Houston State ba- ba- Baptist, top two teams solidified. Grace Prep, Lubbock Christian, top two teams solidified. Kincaid ESD, top two teams solidified. That's truly how I feel. That may not be the feeling of everybody ever, in between y'all, but in my true opinion, out of all four of these like sets, I think those two teams in every single one of them are the ones that are like the front runners and the reason that they are just above, you know, it's just because they're kind of in categories of their own. No, without a doubt. I mean, I think that at this point in the season, those top two teams, each of those lists, are really, really head and shoulders above the rest. But again, we'll see. There's a lot of season yeah, left, we... a lot of time for things to change. We'll see. <clears throat> but that wraps up our inaugural Texas Private School Podcast Power Rankings. And now we transition into our games of the week, of which there are five. The first being maybe one of the biggest games in private school football to this date. Parrish, who is four and one at Prestonwood, also four and one. For some context. Prestonwood enters averaging 40 points a game and allowing just over 22. Only two teams have scored more than 14 against them, and those were 6A's Garland and Capel. Parrish has averaged 37 points a game and is allowing 19. So both teams are relatively similar from a statistical standpoint. Like I said, this is far and away the game of the week. The winner of the game has a very good chance to win the D1 state championship come December, in my opinion. I think the big storyline here is the quarterback situation for the Prestonwood Lions. Junior McGuire Martin started the first four games of the season, but junior Jack McGraw led Prestonwood to a 42-point victory against JP2 last week after a knee issue has sidelined Martin for the next couple games. I honestly think Prestonwood is so solid across the board that this game won't be affected tremendously by who starts at quarterback. Transitioning to Prestonwood. They have standout freshman quarterback Sawyer Anderson at the helm for them, and he has led the Panthers to two impressive district wins to start against Liberty, Argyle, and Midland. So here's what I'm going to say about this game. I think at this point in the season, I like Preston Wood. They have slightly more experience at quarterback, and I think if these team teams play later in the season, you might see a much better Sawyer Anderson because he has so much room to grow, which is a scary thought as him just being a freshman. But for October 8th, 2021, I'll go on the record and take the Prestonwood Lions to beat the Parish Episcopal Panthers. Walker, your thoughts on a just massive game here. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, it's hard. Uh... I'll, I'll go with you. I think I think Preston Wood's going to take the dub here. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a very, very close game within like a score here. Uh, I think that's how good uh, – I think we're underestimating this Parrish team a little bit. Um, but I, I think this is probably a really good matchup for both. So No, with that, that, legitimately, I think if you were to put a spread on this game, it would be like – it would be – Preston Wood minus like two and a half. That's how close it'd be. Not to equate high school sports and, and sports gambling, but that's just that's the language I know best. Ryan, you've been very, very high on Preston Wood all season. How is that going to affect how you vote for them here? You know, it's not going to change. I'm still going to go with them. I do realize McGuire Martin is out, and I I think if you haven't realized this already, McGuire Martin is one, if not the best quarterbacks out of that junior class. Um, So you just got to realize that he really is like the top dog in private school. And and the fact that they, you know, they're going to try to bring in a a guy who did well last week. I'm not even going to not even going to lie. He did great last week. Got the job done. Got a 42 nothing victory. Um, So it's more on the defense at this point. I wonder if that Prestonwood defense can make that stop and allow for this offense to do super well. Um, yeah, I'm really high on Prestonwood, but I would love to see how this game turns out. I have Prestonwood winning, though. No, without a doubt. 
hedging my bets a little bit. I'm just going to say, even though it says that we're picking Preston Wood across the board, by no means do any of us think this is going to be a blowout or even like a 14-point game. I think it's going to be incredibly close regardless of outcome. But that's all the information we have on Parrish Preston Wood. And now we look at a game between two teams in very, very pivotal spots in their season. We're talking about Argyle Liberty Christian at Midland Christian. Argyle Argyle enters at one and four, Midland at three and two. Talking more about the Mustangs, they enter averaging 36 points a game and giving up 25. On the other side, Liberty enters averaging 22.6 points a game and averaging a little under 34. Folks, I wouldn't overthink this one. Liberty has had a very rough go of it to start, and I think that Midland at this point, and honestly at any point in the season probably, is straight up a better all-around team. If you want to use a common opponent as a yardstick, Parrish beat both of these teams, 28-14 to 14 against Midland and a much wider 45-14 to 14 over Liberty. So if you, albeit foolishly, look at that in a vacuum, you got to take Midland here. Walker, Liberty Christian at Midland Christian. You're going to go outside the box or you're going you're gonna to stick with logic and facts? Nah, I'm going to take Midland here. You know, I really like River Rodriguez, good player. And like we said last week, last time, I know Parrish went and did it, but going out and driving in Midland is difficult. Playing at Midland is really difficult. So you got you to gotta take Midland here. So that's my pick. Without a doubt. Ryan, Liberty Christian, Midland Christian. We're already 2-0. and You're going to shake it up or we going we gonna to talk? No, we're going to ride it out. We're going to go Midland Christian here. I do like Grover Rodriguez as well. I'm right with you all on that. Um, and honestly, I like Liberty Christian trying to put a hard schedule in. I, I, I realize that. They've really just tried to put it up against everybody that they need to. Uh, they've really tried to make it, them, it hard on themselves. And, you know, now as they go into their game, uh, you know, some of their district games, we'll see what happens. They just really have a hard schedule this year. I, I'm pretty sure Liberty Christian has the hardest schedule out of anybody in in taps. I'm pretty sure that's, that's, that's probably true at this point. I think we can realize that. So um, I just want to say big shout out to Liberty Christian. I really think they are, are really well, uh, well put together to school. Um, but I think Midland Christian takes the win here, especially having to make that drive all the way out to Midland. That makes sense. The Midland Christian Mustangs get the Texas Private School Podcast triple seal of approval. Now we see Grapevine Faith play at Walker's alma mater, Fort Worth Southwest Christian. Walker, it'd be an injustice not to let you outline this game. So go ahead and take it. No, this is a really good matchup. You know, I think we said four and five on our, our rankings, really good teams. Uh, you know, Grayvine Faith has the hot hand. And then, uh, four, uh, oh, I almost, I did it too. Uh, Salvos Christian is coming off of two losses, but both of them haven't played D2 teams. They haven't. So it's going to be really interesting to see how good these two teams are. Is Grayvine Faith really five and oh, truly on like competitive wise? And is like, or is Fort Worth Southwest Christian the better team? And I'm, you know what? I'm gonna go with my boys. I think Southwest Christian is gonna win this year. I think at home, it's it's a really hard place to play when it's loud. Uh, I think it's they're a good good team, and they just haven't since they've switched to the wing tee, they've been haven't been able to stop it. So I'm gonna give me give me my guys, but it's gonna be really good. And actually, I'll be at this game. Really excited to go back watch the team. I'm gonna go see my family for the weekend and uh, go see my boys for one last time. Uh, not one last time, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for this team. Uh, really good game. Thoughts guys. Ryan, your thoughts on grapevine faith at Fort Worth Southwest. Um, I'm going to keep it short and simple at this point. You know, I, I want Southwest Christian to prove me wrong. I have a lot of faith, um, that they're that a lot of faith, get it. Uh, I, I have a lot of faith that, you know, that they are a good team. However, there's, there's, there's nothing that faith has not proved to me at this point that they are a bad team. They, they're undefeated. They've proven to me that they can run it. Uh, they can run through teams at this point. And so I got to pick faith. Um, you know, both these teams are probably just going to come sweep my legacy Eagles off their feet. So uh, we'll just see how this game turns out. Good four or five matchup. I don't have it by a lot. If anything, I have this game by a touchdown as well. Give me great fun faith. I'm also going to say to bet the hot hand here, I'm going to stray away from statistics and go with my gut because that apparently is what I should have been listening to all along. I'll keep it short. I like great mind faith in this matchup by roughly a little under a touchdown. And now we move into our last two games, the first of which being Kincaid at ESD, which is a massive SBC district game. This is just going to be fantastic. I'll say it straight up. I think it's basically a coin flip looking at it on the surface 
Kincaid enters averaging 45 points a game and allowing 25. ESD is averaging 43 and gives up 18. The two best teams in SBC, and that is not even up for debate, in my opinion. Kincaid obviously has the fantastic Bell brothers, wide receiver Dylan, a Georgia commit, and cornerback Micah, who will end up D1 somewhere. I'm going to go with the slight underdog here and pick Kincaid. Even though they're number one in our rankings, I think a lot of people have ESD over them. And I think this is the game where Kincaid silences all the doubters and proves to be the best team in SPC. I think their slightly harder schedule up to this point has prepared them better for this game. So I'll go on the record, take the five and one Kincaid Walker, your thoughts, Kincaid ESD. We got the best uh, SPC and also the best taps matchup this week. You know, this is really two good games. Um, and I'm going to go Kincaid here. I really like this Kincaid team. I think overall, they're just a good, good team, but yeah, good game. Really good game. Excited for uh, this game to happen. I wish I wish I was there to watch it, but you know, other uh, alma mater wins. So, no, I think this game will be absolutely electric, considering all the athletes on the field. Ryan Kincaid, ESD, your thoughts? I'm rolling with Kincaid. I'm pretty sure I haven't picked against them yet, so I, I keep going with them. Yes, I, you're so right, Walker. I mean, uh, the best SBC matchup, best Taps matchup. This is a great week in private school football. It really, really is. And now we move into the final official game that we're covering. Uh, Fort Bend Christian Academy versus the Woodlands Christian Academy was 5-0. and Fort Bend is 2-3. and In a battle for Houston supremacy, this game will be closer than people realize. The records are not indicative of the true gap between these two teams. But nonetheless, I'll give statistical context. The Woodlands comes in averaging 46 points a game and allowing only 13 Fort Bend enters scoring 38 and allowing 27, coming off of a three-game losing streak. Fort Bend has one of the best gunslingers in taps in junior quarterback Brady Dever and also a solid run game to back that up. The defense has been an issue, though, and that offense was stifled by a D.C. defense that didn't look impenetrable against Fort Worth Christian last week. As for the Woodlands, Although they will most likely rely on a ground attack, junior quarterback Josh Johnson will toss the ball around, as he's shown with eight touchdowns and seven picks on the young season so far. As for the rushing attack, Sam LeBlue leads the Warriors on the ground this season with 501 yards and three touchdowns in only three games of action. The Woodlands has to establish the run game early here and not get Johnson into tough situations if they want to win. On the flip side, Fort Bend has to air this ball out and let Dever do his thing as well as stop the run and force the Woodlands into third and long situations. This game is almost just a straight coin flip, but give me the hot hand in the Woodlands in a one possession game. This is actually a game that I will be covering on Friday night. I'm very, very excited to see this. And plus I just love traveling to the Woodlands, a beautiful area to begin with, but Walker battle for Houston supremacy, your thoughts. Um, you know what? I'm going to go against you. I think uh, they're going to bounce back uh, from the Dallas Christian lots and give me Fort Bend here. Uh, I think, I think, you know, they had a week of just, you know, just thinking about this loss and thinking, Hey, we're a good team. We got talent. We got the athletes. And I think they're going to overcome that. And I think uh, Woodlands Christian Academy, I love the school, love the people. And I think they're a really good team, but I think just Fort Bend has, it's going to be really close. So give me Fort Bend. Ryan, I present to you on a silver platter, a split podcast on this game. Which side are you taking, Fort Bend or the Woodlands? So I'm going Woodlands here, but let me call it just like D.C. Fort Worth here. It, it, I won't go as high horse as that. It's going to be like that game, 100%. This is another rivalry. I love the rivalries and taps, but I do have the Woodlands here. Uh, um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. give me Woodlands here. I, I, I don't know anything more to say than that. No, I love it. I'm incredibly excited to go down and cover this game Friday. Uh, Ryan, talk really quickly. You're going to be at Legacy and Fort Worth Christian. Talk really quickly about your expectations for that game, what you expect to see. Yes, so this is two teams that obviously really don't have that great of records, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, both of these teams have not won a game. Um, no, I'm sorry, we beat y'all. Let, let me, let me, I forgot to say that. Uh, yeah, I know. So we have a win, which is ironic. And what world do you think Legacy would have a win rather than in Fort Worth Christian? And then this game be one and four versus an 0 and five team. 
kind of crazy. I will be there. I'm traveling home from Oklahoma. I will be there to support my Frisco Legacy Eagles. Um, and yeah, so you know what? That's all three of us finally all going to be at three different games. That is, I don't think that's happened once on this podcast for all of us to be out in the field, but you'll see us. You'll see us live in action October, or October 8th, 2021, every single private school podcast member will be making, uh, you know, their own thing. And I think we actually should all tweet from our own accounts and then have it retweeted so that we could all like, you know, share stuff like that. I think it'd be a lot cooler for people to check on our Twitter and follow us that way. No, without a doubt. I think that'll be a great experience having all three of us tweet. Um, that's actually all the material we have to cover really quickly. I want to shout out, uh, Connor Campbell for getting the albums right last week. He didn't even take the money. So I got to respect that. Uh, as for this week, Different color albums. Uh, the middle one's pretty easy. If you guess all of them correctly and comment it, we will feature your picks on the next episode. So there's some incentive Ooh, there. there but you, you see, exactly. You get, the, you get the ball rolling. But barring any further discussion, this has been the Texas Private School Podcast. I have been one-third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson. Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder have tremendously been themselves as always. We will see you in the next episode. See you later. <laughs>